Happy December. And I guess that means Merry Christmas because now it's not too soon to say it. And besides, you live in America and it is all Christmas all the time, right? You go to the store, you watch television, it's just, it's not going away. So, you know, we can get cynical about that, but why don't we just embrace it, right? All right, so it's been four weeks talking about Christmas. I, that, that's okay. And, and actually, it's good because the coming of Jesus, you know, it gets commercialized and it gets overdone and there's a whole lot of, everybody explaining what the real meaning of Christmas is and nobody seems to get it right when they, even when they say that the real meaning, you know, the Hallmark movies kind of stuff. But it, it really is so layered and so significant that it's so much more than what we tend to make it and this is going to help us do that. And I don't know if you've ever done an Advent wreath or, or candles like this. How many of you have ever done that, in, like in your home? Can I just encourage you to do that? We've, we did uh, growing up with our kids, and our, when our kids were growing up, I should say. We were growing up, too, with them. And, um, and it could be really significant. And so what we're going to do here, I'm going to be with you next, today and two more times leading up to Christmas, and then Craig's going to take it from there. We're going to talk about what those, a little bit of what each candle talks about. Uh, but it, it, please hear this as not just sentimental stuff. This is not just traditional stuff. This is, it could be really significant. So I want to invite you to look in your Bible if you have access to one with you, um, and I'm going to show you a very familiar passage. It's in the prophet Isaiah. Uh, you've already heard Isaiah 7. We'll reference it again, but Isaiah chapter 9. Take a, just get, get a finger in there, and let's dive in and talk about some of the things that maybe, just maybe, this Christmas season, God will do something as it comes to, to stir something a little different in you and in me too. And, let's, and we can pay attention to what it its significance is beyond just that day and the frenzy and the gifts and the family and stuff, right? So, so let me go back and tell you this as you're turning in, in that, to the passage. There's something I never quite understood about some of my friends growing up because I had a whole lot of friends who really concocted like elaborate plans to stay awake so that they could catch and see Santa when he arrived. And they would like make, they were going to fake it, they were going to do stuff, and then, but they were going to position themselves so that when the big guy showed up, they could be there and they could lay eyes on him, catch him in the act, and they, they thought that would be really cool. And I looked at it and I thought, you people are idiots. Because we knew the rule. Our parents made the rule very, very clear. If you were awake when Santa showed up, you got zilch. You got nothing. You laid eyes on that guy. It was done for you. So why, I'm thinking, why do you want to mess up with, why kill the golden goose? Like, why would you even, why, why mess with a really good thing? I mean, think about this arrangement. You be relatively good. You make your list. You go to bed early. You fall asleep. You wake up, and you get like a boatload of stuff. How do you, that, that, there, that is the, like, the best arrangement you could ever imagine. So my problem was not trying to stay awake to see Santa. My problem was trying to get to sleep. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I had, it didn't matter what I tried. It was like I knew, I've, so we would, I mean, I tried everything. You know, the, like the warm milk before you go to bed, staying up late the night before and then getting up early so that you'd be really, really tired, trying to, Forget counting sheep. I've never, I've never understood that one. It's like, that makes no sense to me. It never worked. And I would, you know, we'd, my brother and I, I have a brother, and, and we would be laying in bed. We'd go there. It would be dark, and it would be, the only light is the nightlight, and we'd be laying there, and it's Christmas Eve, and you're picturing all this stuff. And the anticipation was so great that we'd sit there going, 
go to sleep, 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 go to sleep. And, you know, you, just the more you say go to sleep, the more it prevents you from going to sleep. And we'd be laying there, be quiet for a few minutes. Are you asleep? No, you asleep? No. Go to sleep. You go to sleep. I don't know how to go to sleep. And we would, so I'm going to give you a little, I'm going to give you a little insight today, okay? Because sometimes when you're adults, you have trouble getting sleep on Christmas Eve too because there's still a sense of anticipation. So this is the closest thing I got to work to fall asleep, okay? We had this nightlight. It'd be all dark except a little nightlight. And so I'd roll over and I would see the nightlight on the thing. And here's what I would do. I would, I would focus on the nightlight and then I would dart my eyes back and forth as fast as I could, back and forth, and watch the light of the, of the nightlight just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because, and then it would kind of like mess with my retinas. And then by doing that over and over again, my eyes would get so tired that eventually I would not want to do it anymore, and then I would wake up and it'd be Christmas morning. That's the best I got for you. <laughs> Give it a shot. Eyes darting on the nightlight. Just see if it works. And here's why. is because there's something about Christmas that heightens this thing that we all have, and we, you and I are experiencing even now. It is what we could call anticipation. There's an anticipation of something. There is like, there's something big coming, whether it's getting something you hope for or giving something you can't wait to give or family coming in or the day the family leaves, whatever the anticipation that you most want is, you, you, there's something about that that just, it just heightens the anticipation. So Christmas seems to be like, it's all about anticipation. Now, here's the thing about the coming of Jesus as the center point of Christmas and, the, and what we call the Advent, the, the arrival, like Craig said. The, the Advent is all about anticipation too, but it's about a very, very sp- specific kind of anticipation. It's a different breed of anticipation. It's not just looking forward to something or high expectancy of something. It is epitomized in the word that we're talking about today, and it is this very, very rich possession that the Bible has a word for it. It's got an Old Testament word. The New Testament word is elpis, and it means hope. Hope is a certain kind of anticipation, but it is not just thinking something might happen or, or expecting it or getting excited about it. Hope is deeper than that. It is it's more substantive than that. It is more affecting and powerful. It actually has an effect on your life when you carry this thing called hope. And it is very, very rare. Now, let me give you just a, a kind of a, a definition of hope. Hope is a positive anticipation of a preferred outcome that heightens attention, fuels patience, and strengthens perseverance. Hope is this possession the Bible says is so significant that when, when the medals are given out, gold, silver, and bronze, for the possession that a, a, of an immaterial thing that a human can have, the one hope is standing on the medal. 1 Corinthians 13 says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. You hear sometimes about the love one because it's the greatest. It wins the gold. But faith and hope are on the medal stand too. And hope is something, and I'm just going to shoot straight with you, hope is something that a whole lot of us don't feel like we have anymore. If hope is this, is this confident, positive anticipation of a preferred outcome of something, a lot of us have lived long enough, you've seen a situation, you've got one right now that you kind of don't really feel like you have hope for. 
a whole lot of us have lost our hope, haven't we, about things? You know why? It's because we've lived life. And I don't want to be down at Christmas time, but let's face it. Life robs you of your hope. You live long enough and you see your hope disappointed. So hope sounds like one of those magical Christmas movie things, but it doesn't really exist in most of our hearts. It's so rare that the Bible talks about it being so significant. And it's something you and I really, really could use a dose of. I'm just going to talk to you today as if it's true for you like it is for me, that there is something in your life that you could really use some hope for. You just don't know how to get it. It seems like it's gone. The advent of Jesus kindles, rekindles, maybe rediscovers for us this lost thing called hope. Is it possible? Uh, don't Don't think in abstract. Think about your situation. Is it possible that the things that you feel like are lost, you could, you could actually find some hope about them, about your own course of life, your own direction of life. God says the, the coming of, of his son to earth is a centerpiece for something called hope because hope is not just positive thinking. Hope is, is more than just optimism. I'm gonna explain that more in just a little bit. The component parts that go to make might make actual hope happen are all found in the, in the coming of Jesus, in the advent of Jesus. And that foundation is found in Scripture. Now, you've, you've heard the passage already read from Isaiah 7 about a virgin's going to conceive and give birth to a son. And that, and that son is going to have a title. He's going to have a name. His name is the one who saves, Yeshua. He's also going to have a title. And his title is going to be Emmanuel, Emmanuel. And that literally means God with us. A fascinating concept. God not just in a temple, not just in heaven, that God himself is going to do a visitation. God is going to come here, and he's going to be described in Isaiah 9. And you've probably seen this passage or heard it before Christmas time. The prophet Isaiah gives these words in, in Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is, go, it, is born, meaning it, it's a foretelling. Here's a picture. I'm playing a picture for you, and here's what you're going to see in the picture. A child has been born. A child is born. And a son is given. And here's what's going to be true of him. The government, the kingdom's government, the, way, the ways of mankind on earth are going to rest on his shoulders. And he's going to be known by some specific things. He's going to be wonderful. He's going to be counselor. He is going to be the mighty God in, on earth. He's also the everlasting father epitomized in, in this form. He's going to be a prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Hope has a foundation that said something is going to be true. And we've, if you've heard this story enough, you, maybe you and I forget how the significance about this, but that this is what was being said. Something's coming. 
Something that you is going to change everything on earth and in your own life. Something big is happening. And here's, you know, picture this. The, the almighty God of the universe, the omnipresent one who is spirit. He is not confined by time or space. The one who rules all of heaven and earth. The one who spoke it into existence. The almighty God is going to dive headlong into your planet. He's going to come into our world and He's going to come into our form. He's going to put flesh on himself. He's going to take the form of little, one of the little carbon-based units that he created. God is going to do that. He's going to center himself in a human form. So he's not just coming into our world. He's not just coming into our form. He's, going, he's coming into our life. Into your life. He's coming. When he does, he's going to compile our collective debt. He's going to compile the payment for our collective sin. He's going to lump it all together, and this almighty being is going to suffer under the weight of the punishment due all of us. He's going to succumb to that punishment. He's going to sacrifice his purity for our impurity. He's going to die and pay my eternal separation payment and yours. He's going to do that, and then he's going to conquer death. He's going to do what no one else can do. He's going to show that he's more powerful. He's going to rise from the dead, and then he's going to just start dispensing free life, eternal life. Anybody who just accepts what he did as his payment, that's coming. It is, get, it is on. Get ready for it, the prophet said, because it's on the way. He's going to be the almighty God. He's also going to be the one who brings shalom, peace. And so there's going to be reason to hope. But now let's talk about the distinctives. God says, I want to give you something. I want to give you hope for your life. Okay, think back about what you could really use hope for. The component parts that he does that seem to fuel hope in a human being are all involved in the advent of Jesus. And again, it's more than just optimism. Because optimism just looks forward and goes, I think all the circumstances could rearrange in a certain way, and I could, I'm going I'm to see that, believe that's going to happen. It's more than just positive thinking. Years back, Oprah Winfrey had a thing called The Secret that she introduced that uh, an author had done, which was this whole law of attraction that if you think positive thoughts, kind of like this karma thing, if you think positive thoughts, the universe will bring positive things to you. This, this is, hope is more than that. It's got substance to it, and we're going to see the difference between that and real hope. And it's not just positive karma. It comes through these elements. They're all involved. And here's, I'm going I'm to break it down this way and, and say it like this. I think I'm going to do this. Let me see if this will work, guys. You know, isn't it funny? You practice it and practice it. Okay let, me, okay, let me see if this works. That looks good. Okay. How about this? Yeah, okay, good. Do I have your attention? All right. Okay, when hope, here, there are elements that, that we're, are going to kindle hope in you. And here's the first one God gives us. He's going to, first of all, use past precedent. And what I mean by that is he's going to show you ways that things that came before that reinforced that something could happen. The, the, you've heard this expression perhaps. The best predictor of future behavior is what? Past behavior. HR companies do that when they hire people. Counselors use it. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if you want to see something happen and somebody says something could happen, you look back and look at their past behavior and you say, has it happened before? 
And so God employs this technique with us, and he says, I want you to understand something. I want you to look back and think about what has happened in the past and see what the outcomes have, have had. So scripture is full of references to past behavior. You just celebrated Thanksgiving. You know what the the positive thing about having Thanksgiving right before Christmas is? It's because Thanksgiving is all about looking past and saying, what what has blessed me? And if you go deep enough with Thanksgiving, and a few of you have this past year, you've thought about some really, really tough times, haven't you? And you say, boy, that was a tough time. But you know what? Look, Look how it turned out. So the Psalms, when they talk about the coming of the Messiah, they have this pattern that they follow. And I'm even going to take the time to unpack all that. But the Psalms are full of this where it says, think back. This is how God blessed. This is what God did. And and what God does is he points to all the tough times, all the rough things. Says you were enslaved in, in Israel for 400 years. You were enslaved in your sin. You were lost. You were being oppressed. But look at how it's come. Look at, the, look at how the redemption has come. And then it says, now, do you see the past behavior, the past precedent? Okay, now there's a, uh, something else coming. The person who did that is going to do something else. You go, really? Well, he did it before. And so you got these passages in Scripture, and these are New Testament passages, where Paul the Apostle says, okay, look, we know, we've, we've been around and we know this. Suffering, which nobody wants, nobody likes. You've had some. But as you look back about your past suffering, you say, look back and you realize suffering did something in you. It produced perseverance, right? You kept going. And perseverance produced character in you, something that was true about you that wasn't there, a strength in you. And character produced what? It produced hope. See what it did? You saw that something happened in the past. It did something within you, and now you've carried this new thing that says, I think something good could come up my certain. My, my current situation, hope, he says, does not disappoint us. Paul the Apostle talked about this in his own life. He says, he has delivered us, God has delivered us from a deadly peril in the past. And he, in 2 Corinthians 1, he talks about a whole bunch of them. He's done that. We picture that he's done that. And he will deliver us. And so on him, we have set our hope. He's going to continue to deliver us. All of Scripture, the Old Testament, has, was written with, some, with part of this in mind, Paul wrote in Romans. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that. So the, all the accounts, all the tough things that happened, all the processes, so that through endurance that comes through it, through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. One of the things that gets lost a lot in circles of, of Christians, and I hope it happens around here, the older saints, the older believers... We need to ask stories of those around us who are the older believers. Tell us what God has done in your life. You know why? Do you ever notice about this? Older people who have walked with God a long time, they almost never panic, do they? Think about it. Something's going on with your kids, and the the grandparents go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, (laughs) oh, yeah. It'll be okay. And and, and we say, I I do this. I go, what do you mean it'll be okay? You can't stand there and tell me it'd be okay. You don't know my, you've not worked on my shoes. You don't know what this is like. This is not going to be okay. But if you look deep in those saints' eyes, you realize the pain that's there. They've walked that road. And you know what else? They've seen something come through it. They've seen the truth of what God has said. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. I have seen God do things in the past. They invoke that and it changes their perspective. You know what it gives? It kindles something in them. 
The older folks among us are the ones I want to pay attention to because you have hope that I don't have. And it's based on a past precedent. You've experienced it. You've seen it. Because past experiences alter your view of what's coming. When I was, I was, I was in the fourth grade, and I was the only kid in the fourth grade who didn't believe in Santa Claus anymore. This is no, no kidding. And I'll tell you why. Because I had a couple experiences. When I was a kid in Brooklyn, my dad and I were walking on Christmas Eve down the street. I have a vivid memory of this. And we're walking, and there's a lot of, where we lived, all the shops were on, a lot of people out on Christmas Eve because we all lived in uh, these apartments. And, and so we're, we're trying to get, and also because we're men and we're last-minute shoppers, and we're walking down the street. And all of a sudden, my dad, I need to ask him about this, about what was really going on. But he, he says, wait, do you hear that? I go, what? And there's bustle and stuff. He goes, do you hear that? Do you hear that? He goes, I thought I heard bells. I listen, I go, because it sounds like it's coming from the sky. And I listen, and I went, I do hear bells. We, he says, we got to get home. You got to get to sleep. <laughs> the next year, we're in, we had what, what they call um, uh, railroad apartments in New York, where there's just one set of just, okay, anyway. All the, it's not very big. All, we lived in a railroad apartment. All the rooms are just one after the other. You walk through one room to get to the next room. We lived on the first floor. The whole family's over. The whole Italian family's over. It's Christmas Eve. We're gathered at Christmas Eve, and I had been, they'd sent me to, my, to, to the bedroom to get something a few minutes earlier. I come back out, and every little family's there. Everybody's there. Everybody's present and accounted for, and all of a sudden, somebody stops and goes, did you hear that? What, what is that? Do you hear that? Sounds like noise. Sounds like somebody's breaking in. Somebody, and, and, and my parents' bedroom was, on, was right on the street level, and then the next one was this living room. And we all get up, and we run in, and into the, the living room area, we look, we turn on the lights. This is Christmas Eve. Everybody had been there. I had just been in there a few minutes ago, and there are presents everywhere. And we, and we rush into my parents' bedroom, and behind the bed is the street, the window of the street, and the window is open. And they always told us a couple things about living in New York. First of all, we didn't have chimneys, so they go, God, you know, G uh, Jesus. Sorry, I'm mixing up my main characters. <laughs> Santa has a magic key. He can get into those places. And he also sometimes just comes through the window because he's got to get creative. The other thing was we often said, he, they said, you know, he sometimes shows up early at the big cities because he's got a lot of traveling to do, so he'll get there an early start. Oh, okay, sound, what works for me? I go in. I had those experiences, and I'm telling you, it embedded something deep in my soul. You could tell me everything you want, but I had an experience that told me that something was going to happen, and I was not going to let go of that experience. Now, let's bring it to where we live in adult life. The more experiences you have where something looks really troubling or something doesn't, you don't see an outcome, and it turns out in a way you didn't expect, even to the point, think, think with me, that later on you're thankful for the experience. You have that, right? You're thankful for the thing that you just did not want to have happen. You can't believe how it turned out. You never could have predicted it. When that happens, the more of those kinds of experiences you have, the more the next time you're facing something, it ignites something deep within you. You know what that's called? It's called el peace. It's called hope. 
it is, it's, it's formed because it's not just positive thinking. It's because somebody has delivered in the past, and that means somebody can deliver in the future. So, I would just encourage you to think about this. If you haven't done it during Thanksgiving season, maybe it's something to talk about in a small group this week. To reflect, and this is worth doing. It's not just sentimentality. To say, when, what are some experiences in my life? If we had time, I would have you do it right now. I would have you turn and say, what is an experience in my life where I had, not, I, I had no hope and then it turned out differently than I expected? The more you tell that story, the more you hear that story, the more hope can ignite within you. Now, that's one component part. Here's the second one. So you have a past precedent, but then you have a promised future. And this is where this candle comes in, which these folks lit for us. Because the first candle of Advent is called the prophet's candle. It's all about the prophets foretelling the details about the coming of the Messiah. And it's all through the Old Testament. It just symbolizes the fact that this was foretold. This was promised. And what it means is that an authoritative source verbalizes specific details about a positive outcome. The Bible is full of this. So you go back to Isaiah 9, and it does not just say God's going to come in and make things right. He could have said that. God's going to come to the planet. Everything's going to be okay. Just everything. No. You know what he begins to do? He starts to give specifics. And the prophets give very, very personalized identifiers about this, this future that's coming. So you see that list that's in Isaiah 9. First of all, it's going to be a child. It's going to be a son. The, gov- he's go- he's, the government's going to rest on soldiers. He's going to, he's going to, be, he, he's going to be great. He's going, to, he's going to be a counselor to people. God is going to visit. He's going to bring peace. He's, he will reign on, his, on David's throne. And then you go back a couple chapters to chap- chapter 7. And it says, and this is going to be a sign. This is not going to how you know it's not just anybody. It's going to be a, a, probably a 14-year-old, maybe 15. No one knows exactly how old Mary was. She's going to conceive. She's going to give birth. And when that child comes, you're going to know, okay, something big is up. And then you got other details that are given, like in Micah 5.2, where it says, hey, Bethlehem, you a little sleepy town, six miles outside Jerusalem. No one, I mean, it was where David was born. That's all it was known for. It's just kind of like, oh, that was the birthplace of that guy. When you drive through the town, they got that little sign. Oh, yeah, David was born here. That's about it. Oh, yeah, oh, I hate Bethlehem. Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Gives a very specific prophecy, more detailed description of him. That's fulfilled in, in Matthew 1. Also in Matthew 1, it tells how this was filled. Out of Egypt, I, I called my son. And you go, wait a minute, I thought he was coming from Bethlehem. Oh, God got really creative. Started in Bethlehem, took him as an exile to Egypt, so that now you got two things that looked like, there were people, by the way, uh, Old Testament experts at the time of Jesus who said that this was a contradiction. You ever hear people talk about the contradictions in the Bible? This was one that they said back then was a contradiction. It can't, the Bible can't be true. Because it says he's going to come from Bethlehem, it also says he's going to come from Egypt. And then God goes, now watch this. And, he fl- and makes them flee. They go to Egypt, they come back, and now this one becomes true. He came from Bethlehem, he also came from Egypt. And then he comes from Nazareth. And Matthew 2 says, he went and lived in a town called Nazareth, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets he will be called a Nazarene. 
All those things and many more are true. Now, here's the thing about hope. Hope is not just positive thinking. Hope says, okay, there's a past precedent of something that's come through for you. And now there's also going to be a, there's a future a promised about it. And the more details you get that indicate something could come about it, the more heightened your expectation and hope is. Because, see, here's the thing. Some of you want, there's something you'd really like to have for Christmas that you're not sure if you're going to get. That, does that, that hasn't stopped for you, has it? It hasn't stopped for me. I mean, oh, we act like, we'd, oh, I don't need anything. But, you know, you really want that thing. It just costs a lot more. and You don't want to say it, but you really want that thing. And you're not sure, you've dropped a few hints, or maybe it got talked about, or maybe it's not in the budget, but here's, here's imagine if this happens, and this might have happened to some of you, or it will in the next few weeks. You'll see something hidden somewhere that's kind of in the shape of the box that could have that thing. <laughs> or you'll look at the wrong place at the wrong time, and you'll see a receipt, and it's from a certain place. And you go, what's that? That's nothing. Don't look at that. And there's some kind of indicator that you have that when you get that, that, that or maybe you'll just see a, a, a label and you'll go, or maybe you'll see a history of a web browser that goes to a certain site and you go, ooh, ooh, could it be who? What's happening is that a future promise is being indicated that heightens your hope. You say, wow, so this actually could happen? It's not just a pipe dream. So God steps in and he says, my, my lambs, my children, you desperately need what you don't even know you need. You're not even asking for it. I'm going to take the lead. I'm going to come. I'm going to rescue you. Everybody goes, yeah, whatever. No, no, I'm going to rescue you. I've rescued you before, but this time I'm going to do it once and for all. I'm going to come in. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to do it because I'm coming in person. I'm coming to, I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to come and be with you. God with us is going to happen. This is going to happen. And we say, eh, heard that before. And God says, okay, I understand. It's going to come out of Bethlehem. I'm going to come out of Egypt. I'm going to come, I'm going to come as a child, as a baby. I'm going to enter the world. It's really going to be me. The more specific the detail, the higher the confidence level, the higher the expectancy. Can, can I just say this to you? I know it doesn't always feel this way. I know it doesn't come, happen in your, in your timing. It doesn't happen in my timing. But if you are, have been connected with God, if you've been restored to God through his son Jesus, I'm going to guess most of the people in the room have crossed that line. Some of you have not. That's fine. But once you do that, there's a promise that rests on you from your God. He says, I have made you my child. I'm no longer your judge. I'm now your, I've absorbed the judgment. You're my child. I'm going to give good in your life. I'm going to form you into my image. I will be with you. These are promises. I will, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. Some, of us, you. some of us in the room, you need to hear that right now. He has not left you. He has not forgotten you. He's very aware of what's gone on. He says, I'm going to bring that together. I'm going to work that together for good in your life. You don't have to understand it right now. You don't have to even like it right now. I'm going to ask you to trust me with it. But it's a promise. Oh, it's a promise. And I promise you, he says, you will never taste death ever 
Your body may decay and it may stop working, but you will never taste death. It is an ironclad promise. I rest today in a promise. It's not a promise that my life will be pain-free. It's not a promise that everything I want is going to happen the way I want, but, I, but it is a promise that it's going to be better than I could ever design because the one greater than me has designed it. And it is a promise that when this is done, my life will only transfer to a much greater place, the place that was, I was intended for, the place that I will enjoy forever. I will never long for this earth for a moment in its current state because of a promise that I've been given. And the greater the promise of the future, the more heightened my hope can be that it'll come. There will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. It is a promised future. Let me give you one other element. So you've got past precedent that God gives. You give a promised future that he gives. But this one may be the most important. This is what makes the difference between optimism and actual hope. And this is what we're going to call a present agent. There's an actual living entity involved who is capable of affecting the course to deliver the stated outcome. This is not just a cosmic karma thing that this disequilibrium in the, in the and the cosmos will somehow rectify itself so that if I give good, I get good, or if I, if I suffer enough, it'll even itself out. There is an actual living entity. This is why it was so essential that Christmas be not just about an idea. Do you know that, do you know that the, the ancient Israelites, even up to the time of Christ, even past the time of Christ, in fact, to this day, and I lived with a lot of Jewish people in New York, and they, this is kind of what they believed. When they talked about the coming Messiah, a whole lot of them have kind of relegated it to say, well, the Messiah is, is more of an idea. It's a concept. The, the, the idea of redemption, the idea of things being made right, so it, it's just, the, you know, ideas are powerful. Let's, let's let the, I, the concept drive our hope. God says, this is more than an idea. This is a real living person. Hope has an object. It's not just out there. It is, it is centered on something or someone. And this is the singular Biggest distinction between optimism or positive thinking and the thing that will really change your perspective on your life, and that is that there is a real person involved. There is, it is God as a person who is with us. And so you see all through, just here's a couple samples of what the Psalms say about the coming king. It says, guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope, look at this. Don't just, this is not poetry. My hope is sourced in you all day long. There's a real living entity involved here, and that's what I'm counting on. It's not just, oh, I'm sure it'll all turn out. If it's meant to be, it'll be. No, there's an active agent involved, and he's not just active, and he's not just powerful, he's present. He's not out in heaven. He's not just in heaven. He's not just out in space. No, this one has shown up and is living. The, the one who made this promise is in the room right now. 
He's here. He has come. And when he came, he dove headlong into a body and came to present himself, say, now I'm with you. I'm right here. Here's Psalm 39, 7. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. It's not just in things turning out. It's in you. Hope rests in a very present reality that God is not just, get this, he's not just with us. He's with me. He's with you. Colossians 1, 27, to them, the disciples, he's, this is, I won't go the whole um, context of this, but Paul is talking to, it's not just Jews, it's Gentiles too. He says, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of a mystery that's now been revealed. And here's the mystery. The Messiah, Jesus, is in you. And this produces, you see what it produces? Hope. The hope of glory. He's with you. You know, we used to get Christmas gifts that would say, to the family. You ever get Christmas gifts to say it's to the family? I just hated those. Because <laughs> I knew what it meant. Anything that was to the family, it was like wall decor, you know, placemats, assorted meats from Pepperidge Farms. It was something that I, I was not going to be interested in. It, you know, it's just, it was to the family. But the ones that said to Tommy, I had a much better chance of that being the G.I. Joe with lifelike hair. <laughs> that might be Stretch Armstrong. You don't give Stretch Armstrong to the family. No, no, you give that to a very specific person and a very specific desire. See, Christmas did not just come to give hope to the world. That sounds like it belongs on a card. Something you sing in, a, in carols, and it's, it's true. The Advent is, it gives hope to the world. Yes, that, that is absolutely true. Because there's a hope for the sin's payment has been made, that we can be justified by God, that God is good. But the hope of Christmas is not just hope for the world. It is because Christ came to give hope to you. Where you sit, it doesn't matter what you've done this weekend. It doesn't matter how far from him you've drifted. It doesn't matter whether you think about him often or not. It doesn't matter whether you feel out of place walking in here today because you feel like no one else is like you, and we are, by the way. We're all just kind of messed up gathering together to go, is there any hope for this? That, that hope comes for your situation, it, it, and God says, yeah, you, the way you are, that there is that there is somebody at work that's going to bring good out of your pain right now. There's somebody who's, who's there to ch who is going to bring change and going to bring redemption out of the situation that you could never see happening. And there is somebody who, who can bring healing and restoration. There is somebody who can come into your soul and change your heart. He can completely cleanse you today. He can give you complete, he will clothe you with the righteousness of Jesus. He will take your soiled garments and he'll put, and he'll say, when I look at you, this is all I see, the righteousness of Jesus. It is a hope that's for us, for you. 
Look at what Paul starts his letter to Timothy and says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. I don't know how else to say this without it just sounding cliche, but I'm going to just say it this way. I need, I don't need Christmas in my life. I don't need promises in my life. I need Jesus in my life. My hope has to be in him. That, that he came to earth, but he came to me. And the wonder of this thing is it's not just a gift to the world. It's not just to the family. Jesus came to give himself to you. If you've never understood this or embraced this, this is not just accepting that something historically happened. This is a relational connection where you open up your soul and you say, I need you. And the promise of the advent is he comes to be with us, but also to be with you. When I grasp that, can I tell you, I've got somebody with me who has proven in the past. He has got precedent that he comes through. He's given me a promise for what's gonna happen that gives me a little bit of anticipation and a sense of, okay, it's, it's real, but he gives me a present reality. That present reality is a hope that can take me through what I'm feeling what I'm facing, the disappointment and the ache of my soul right now, the loneliness that comes, all the things that crash in, the things that say it, I, can, I will never be rectified, I'll never be good enough. I, I, I deal with the same issues all the time and he goes, yeah, but I got you. And I am in you, I am with you, you're clean and I'm taking you somewhere that I guarantee. That is the hope of the advent. I'm just gonna come out and ask you, do you have hope? today? Is it possible that you may have known God for a long time through his son, but is it possible that you could just have hope rekindled by just recognizing again afresh that what this represents is something that's true for you right now. Embrace it. Let it affect you from the inside out. Do you have that hope? That hope is available. Let it bubble within you. Embrace it. And let me say this. If today you've been aware of the Jesus about Christmas, you know generally what it's like, but you don't know that you've ever opened up your soul and your heart to say, Jesus, I need, what I need is you. He has made it so simple. He has made it so free that he simply says, if you simply just open your soul, confess your sins, acknowledge your need, Call on his name and invite him to come in. It is not just God with us. It will be God with you forever. The hope of glory. That can happen today. Pray with me. I believe when you say this, God, that you... Your spirit is unleashed to do your work when your word is opened and when people are gathered. And I want to ask that you would do that now. There are a whole lot of us in the room right now who just really, if we stop and think about it, we just haven't, we're not, we didn't carry in a whole lot of hope with us. 
whether it be our, a certain circumstance or even eternity, would you, would you pierce through that right now? Would you help that person acknowledge and recognize that you are standing right in front of them with your arms wide open right now? Say, I'm ready to give you hope for your situation. Would you rekindle hope within us? And in particular, God, I pray for the person here who really just, it needs to start by just saying, I need Jesus in my life. I don't think he's in my heart. That God with us would start right now for that person. Today would be the day where they simply call out to you and say, come into my life. I embrace what you did for me. I need you. I believe, I trust you to make me right. As we worship now, help us be responsive to what you're prompting to say yes to your spirit and ignite hope within us, we pray, through our Savior, Jesus. Amen.